0: This is part two of a two-part series on curiosity. Welcome to the Idealect Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Tyson. Last episode, we began exploring the value of curiosity. If you're listening to this for the first time, it'd be worth your while to go back and start with the previous episode. Otherwise, if you'd like to keep listening, here's a brief stage setter. The world is a complicated place, and we could all do with a little more nuance in our observation of it. We're losing the idea of respect in the midst of disagreement, and often failing to seek an understanding of where people come from and how they've come to be who they are. In seeking to understand others, we position ourselves to move forward holistically. It's worth our effort to engage in educating ourselves through discovering what we don't know. You'll remember George Roberts from the previous episode, talking about his role as a teacher being to, quote-unquote, complicate kids' lives. Here's George on the value of seeing details.
1: They lead us away from stereotyping. They lead us away from quick judgments. They lead us away from thinking we know everything. Instead, they tease us and say, you know, when you look more closely, you found something you didn't see at first. When you look more closely, the assumption you had about the painting falls apart because there's this thing here that's unexpected. And so it, it gets us on our toes to take a look at life that way and not to go through life saying, I'll take a quick look out the window and I know everything I need to know instead of what's out the window today, what's out this window today, What's out this window right now today? And when you do that and slow down and start to assess, you can then say, well, what does it remind me of? What is it, how does it make me feel? Do I feel good about this kid walking by here? No, I don't, because he walks by every day and he never looks in. I'd, I'd like to go out and go like this and say, who are you? What's your name? Why don't you look in here? This is a gallery, you know, so it, and makes me engage with life rather than to say, oh, he's a thug, he doesn't care about art. I don't know that. I don't know that at all, so I have to slow down and interact with that detail that just walked by if I want to get any information worth dealing with. And and for me, art making art is about making information, a certain kind of information. It's not scientific and it's not mathematic, it's art. And it does things that art do in ways that nothing else does It happens to be what I fell in love with when I was young so that's my life I have an artistic life but you could do exactly the same with I have a scientific life because I fell in love with what happened when I looked in a clown chamber in science class or you could have a medical life because you etc I'm not making any uplandish claims for art as the answer it just happens to be my answer
0: But it's not always easy to see the details in our race through life. How can we begin seeing the little things that make up the intricacies of our life? On this front, I asked George what the world needs more of.
1: Pausing to look at the details. Pausing to ask, what do the details mean? Pausing then to say, what matters? We teach Tai Chi here every Saturday. And one of the phrases that our Tai Chi group uses from time to time is, pause to let the universe know what it intends for you. We can just barrel along thinking we know and make plenty of mistakes and have to pick up after ourselves and patch things back together or we can pause I had a teacher in college who um, advocated pausing and one day in passing in class he just said you know the ancient Greeks could have had an atomic bomb as easily as any of us I believe they sat around and thought about it for a while and figured it wasn't a good idea Different way of looking at history and when things happen and so on.
0: So there's the act of seeing the details around us. Then there's the responsibility of knowing ourselves. Strangely, it's easy to miss knowing ourselves. Dante Curtis is a life coach and consultant with Catch Your Dream, where he mentors and inspires individuals and organizations. I talked with Dante about how he sees his role inspiring people to live from their sense of passion. Listen to how he frames this.
2: Uh, part of my job as a as a coach um, is to really get down at at what you really want, right? So it's not paternalistic in that I'm telling you what you need to do, um, because that would be paternalistic. Um, it would be me, you know, acting as if I know better than you. Um, and that's not that's not the goal, right? The goal is to say, "Hey, you know what you want to do? You know, let me help you organize it. You know, let me let me support you. Let me give you another perspective on, you know, how you might want to think about this. Let me ask you some more questions um, to really hone down um, the vision that's already on the inside of you. Um, because the reality is, is that if you go in and tell folks what they want to do or tell folks what they should do, they might they might do it, but they're not gonna feel good about it. Right? They, they they not got, it's not going to be total buy in because somebody told them to do it. People have something deep down in them, right? Like it's not. I don't really have to. I don't really have to help folks discover what it is they want to do. They know what they want to do. They may not know how to get there, but they know what they want to do. And so, um, so my you know my job isn't to, to give ideas. My job is to, like I said, kind of flesh out the path to make you get what you because you know. I mean, I, I man, I I was just talking to this woman a couple of days ago. <laughs> and she was just telling me she was like Dante, you know, I really wanna, I really wanna support, um, you know, children and learning about money. Great, like she already know what she wants to do. I don't have to tell her what that is. She know what that is, but that can look a million different ways. Hmm. And so, how do you, how do you kind of um, cultivate the soul that she already has started working on? So that, so that's what I mean by. Um, My job is to inspire the word...
0: I love this sense of cultivating the soul. In a sense, there's so much that we already know as individuals, whether we recognize it or not. What if we lived with a greater focus on cultivating our soul and the souls of the people around us? This, really, is the process of curiosity. Following curiosity is following the soul. If we can tap into this, we can learn about ourselves. Real change starts with changing ourselves. I want to bring up another woman's story here. Natalie Ringsmuth is the founder and director of Unite Cloud, which is a nonprofit in central Minnesota working to mitigate racial, religious, and cultural tensions. St. Cloud is home to a significant and growing Somali population. This influx has led to strong tensions in the community. You can see more about this in the show notes. In talking about change and knowing ourselves, Natalie describes deep and long-lasting change versus a more superficial, short-lived change.
3: What I've seen is unsustainable is people looking to the top leadership of our area to make this change. Mayor um, Mayor Kleist, you gotta make this change. Oh, Governor Dayton, you have to make this change. Head of centricare Care, you have to make this change. Yes, there needs to be change made at the top, but if we learn anything from the Civil Rights Movement, there can't be a legislated heart change. Legislation can change, rules can change, hiring practices can change, but if we don't have a heart change in the middle and lower management of this city, which is just normal folks, uh, then we won't have a sustainable path forward to know each other and live with each other and have everyone survive and thrive in this area.
0: This heart change only happens through exploration through learning, as Moses Tutt talked about in Part 1. Making change requires taking responsibility. Of course, it's not as simple as learning and then making changes for the better. As I said at the beginning, the world is complex. It's messy. Thinking of the St. Cloud immigration example, it'd be easy to find curious people on both sides of the issue who are working to make change. But that doesn't mean that change will be universally accepted as good, It's just a fact that we arrive at different conclusions of what's good and not good. But then to forget curiosity after we've arrived at our conclusions is to forget the act of learning. Here's Mary Laurel True from the Sabo Center for Democracy and Citizenship at Augsburg University.
3: The the hard part about that is as much as you believe something, try not to be judgmental of someone who believes something differently. So Hmm. if you can believe what you believe and still be open enough, I think we you know change is always happening and I think we need to be open to change. And that's another thing about being in the present moment is you have to it causes you to say, everything's in motion. Um, this is this one moment, but something could change. Like for instance, I might you have, I think no matter how struck firmly you believe in something, you have to be open to change. That, 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 you, that you might change an idea, that someone else might change their mind, that fixed views, at least in what I'm learning, fixed views are like the worst, one of the worst things you can have, are fixed views.
0: In learning new details, how could our viewpoints not change? This doesn't mean necessarily that our mind is changed wholly on something, but our way of understanding should be changed. Through this process, allowing ourselves as individuals to change and learn, we find the meat of what it means to live together as people. To put it in political terms, since we're in election season currently, we find the heart of democracy.
4: And so we don't define democracy as elections.
0: This is Harry Boyd, the founder of the Sabo Center for Democracy and Citizenship and a scholar in public work philosophy.
4: Elections are are important. I mean, I'm not dismissing elections, but elections, if you think about the old meaning of democracy, it was not voting. The Greeks didn't mean voting. Uh, The classical scholar Josiah Ober has shown, actually, the Greeks meant something more like public capacity or public power in a, people's power in a public realm. That's how he said the Greeks meant it. Um, And that took a lot of forms. It took the ability to have conversations across differences and share knowledge. So the Athenian city-state was very successful in just over decades in developing ways for people to interact across their different neighborhoods or different family groups or different occupational groups. Um, there, was, there were pract- cultural practices that created a larger sense of democratic power.
0: Without an attitude of curiosity, the democratic process wouldn't be possible. At the core of public work, which Harry has been instrumental in developing as a concept, is the idea of citizens building the commonwealth, citizens building the community, rather than making this the responsibility of the community leaders. Maintaining democracy means maintaining a learning mindset. To get at the core of this, I wanted to explore the inherent goodness of democracy. I asked Harry why he's passionate about democracy.
4: Well, because in the, in the, uh, it's the way people flourish. It's human flourishing. So people flourish um, when they feel they're helping to build the world. They're not simply consumers of the world. When they um, put their signature on their world in a constructive way. When they develop their talents, because Jane Addams, a great educator, and founder of the Settlement House Movement in America, talked about education as is, is freeing the powers of people for larger public contribution. So it's a different understanding of education. Um, and I would say public achievement does that. Um, so it's the way people also develop their, their public selves, um, people, every, people, I think it's a basic human need for people to have a public self, not simply a private world. And then finally, it's, it's all about agency. So when you feel like you're building the world, you develop a sense of collective empowerment, or collective agency, shaping the world around you. And that is actually, there's a lot of, it, a lot of research that shows that need for agency, both individual and collective, is found across all societies.
0: I love the conception of education and curiosity being the means by which people's power, individually and collectively, is freed for larger public contribution. We've all heard the phrase, knowledge is power. It's true, but it leaves out an important piece, curiosity. There's a difference between being curious and acquiring knowledge. If our pursuit of knowledge is driven by an agenda, We run the risk of missing out on the joys and hardships of exploration. Curiosity leads us to places that challenge our pre-existing ideas and beliefs. This is the development of agency. As Harry says, this is our way as people of flourishing. To see the full stories of each person from this episode check out the show notes and as always head on over to the project website theidealect.com thanks for listening and i'll see you in the next episode